Ready. Aim. Fire. On today's episode, we have Noah and Becky from Money Metagame. Noah and Becky are a young power couple who are just doing all of the right moves. They decided to take a mini retirement from their work, and now they're driving around the U.S. having the time of their lives. Noah is an expert travel hacker, and between him and Becky, they have 75 cards open throughout the course of their credit history. Cody, I mean, what these guys are doing is just absolutely incredible. I heard their story and I was like, we have to get these people on because they have actionable tips and they can show us what it looks like for a young couple to actually implement these strategies after a couple years of finding fire and actually taking a gap year, doing something that makes them happy right now and not having to wait till they hit that fine number. So this concept of the gap year is so incredible and I can't wait to just dive in and learn all the things that these people have done to get them to where they are today. And with that, I'd love to welcome Noah and Becky to the show. How are you doing today, guys? We're doing great. How are you guys? Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, we are just doing awesome, and we're super excited to dive into your story because you guys are a power couple in your late 20s, and you were just crushing it, going on a tour, taking a mini retirement. I don't want to ruin the whole story, but I know that you did not have any student loan debt whatsoever coming out of college, and that was definitely a huge catalyst for what shaped your financial independence journey. So could you tell the audience how that happened for you? Yeah, so one of the really cool things was that Noah and I both received a scholarship to Purdue University. That's actually where we met, and it was a caddy scholarship called the Chick Evans Scholarship. So we caddied all throughout high school which is carrying a golf bag for golfers, if no one knows what that is, (laughs) made some pretty good money over the summer. And yeah, we got a full ride, full tuition and housing scholarship. And after four years, we were debt free. You know, we just had to pay a small little house bill every year, which wasn't big at all. And that our summer jobs paid for that. And yeah, so that that definitely helped us coming out of college, having no debt. Yeah, that is huge. Like a lot of people that we see today are just saddled with tons and tons of student loan debt. So I have a question. Was that like an intentional decision? Like, did you guys become caddies because of the scholarship? Or is this something that you guys were doing in the summer to make money? And then you found out that you could potentially get a free ride to college? So I think Becky would agree that it's it's mostly our parents who kind of set us on this path. So like we had a huge leg up there. Because, I mean, when you're 13, 14 years old, like you you don't really have a concept of college or how much it costs or how you're going to pay for it or even like what a scholarship would mean. But they they encouraged us to start caddying. And lucky, I mean, luckily, it's a, a pretty good job. I mean, you get to walk around a course for a few hours, you make decent money and you get to spend time outside, like talking with people. So it's a pretty good gig. You, you get paid all right. And that's at least from my perspective, that's pretty much all I looked at it as. And then it was only once I was like halfway through high school and like college started becoming like this real thing in the future that it was amazing that I was already set up for the scholarship opportunity. And that's like when I just kind of doubled down and, and made sure I was the best possible candidate to get the scholarship. So definitely have to thank our parents for that. I have an older brother and an older sister and my older brother got the scholarship. So I obviously knew about it from that. And I started caddying with the intention of potentially getting this scholarship. But like Noah said, at 13, 14 years old, you have no idea what that even means. And it really wasn't until 
I got there and I was like, holy crap, this is, this is really amazing. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, our, our parents are definitely to thank for all of that. Well, I mean, you can't just throw it all on your parents. You were 13 or 14 years old thinking about how you could save money on college. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> all right. So you go to college for four years for completely free, zero student debt. What comes next? We both went to school in the Midwest, and I got a big tech job. I'm a software developer. I got a big tech job out in Seattle, and it was a good offer. Like We made the move, and uh, Becky's a nurse. She was able to find work there, and we just started bringing in money. And We didn't have a whole lot of personal finance education or anything like that, but just researching around the internet, like trying to figure out, like we're making all this money. Like What's something smart we can do with it? We're both used to living the college lifestyle. And we didn't have any immediate needs to spend it. So we're trying to figure out, like, how do we invest? Like, what's the smart thing to do? How can we set ourselves up for the future? And then after looking around online, I think it was Reddit where I actually first found it. It was basically the idea of financial independence, the idea that maybe you can retire decades before the traditional retirement age, especially if you get a head start early. And we were right in prime position to take advantage of that. So once we realized it was possible and looked over all the numbers and everything, we just started setting up our finances. Like previously, we were just getting the match in the 401k, which is the general advice that most people give. And then we started maxing it out. And then we started maxing out IRAs and just setting ourselves up for the future so that we would have we'd have options, which is exactly what kind of leads into what we're doing right now. Yeah, Noah, I just love that word options. And that is what this whole FI thing is about. Building a life that gives you the option to make unique choices in the future. Our paths are all going to look different, but it's all about each and every one of us being intentional with our money, with our spending, so that in the future we can live the lives of our dreams. So with that, I'm curious, most people don't just come to this lifestyle by accident. There's usually something, maybe the lifestyle at work, maybe the hours at work. There's usually a push. A lot of times there's something that pushes us into this lifestyle. Can you guys share with us, what was that for you? Um, well, like Noah said, he was looking at how we can settle our finances into a certain way. And at the time, I was really excited about my job. I was really happy where I was. And the idea kind of sounded so obscure and so out there that didn't really make sense to me. And he was still happy at his job at the time. He wasn't really ready to quit, but he just kind of showed me what our future could look like. And I eventually did get really burned out at what I was doing. And I kind of took too many promotions and <laughs> got really burnt out. And at that time, I was like, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. I see what, what you want to do. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Only in the FI community are you going to hear someone say they got too many promotions <laughs> and that it was damaging their quality of life. That is only something you'll ever hear in the FI community. So I think that's just kind of funny. But so Noah, I mean, at this point, you guys are on the road. I don't want to kind of spoil that. I kind of want to lead into that. But you were doing the software developer job. But I know that's a very, I guess, freelance prone job. Like you can definitely find remote work doing that, maybe picking up some consulting gigs. So what was the transition that kind of made you snap and just quit that nine to five and say, you know what, we're going to go on the road, we're going to live our lives? So we've been pursuing FI like for a solid four to five years at this point, um, just saving away everything we didn't need for everyday expenses. And I mean, we still traveled and everything else, but we just we just had excess and tried to cut back on the big items like only driving one car 
living in a smaller house than we could get. Like it was plenty of space for us, but four to five years into it, Becky took maybe one too many promotions and started uh, the work-life balance started suffering. So she was burning out. And in the tech world, I mean, it's actually pretty rare for people to stay at a company like mine for more than a couple of years because like everybody's young, like all the tech companies are always hiring. So it's common for people to bounce around. And I'd been in the same company for four and a half years. A lot of my initial signing bonuses and stuff like that had finally worn off to where I was looking for or I was about to be looking for a different position. And because we'd been on this path to FI, we had all these savings in the bank and the real power of that is just options. So we're both ready for a change of some kind. Um, We just looked at our options, kind of said, what can we do? Like, what's a crazy thing we can do? And then it eventually led into like, what if we just both quit? What if we just took some time off and with that time off, we could travel the country, which is what we're doing right now. Yeah, the one thing I just love about you guys' story so far is that you guys are just so intentional. Like, you guys are constantly making deliberate choices that the average person doesn't. And that is why you guys are getting much better results. So my question is, is this a trip or is this lifestyle something that you guys really thought through and actually nailed down the details? Or is this something that you guys are just kind of winging at this point? It was a little bit of both. We definitely wanted to travel and we thought, you know, should we do domestic or international? And domestic seemed a little bit easier at the time, but also very exciting because there's a lot of the country that both of us haven't seen. And then the logistics of it, sure, we talked about it now and then, but it was more, it was kind of just winging it. Like we had a skeleton outline of the country as to what we wanted to see, but we pretty much plan two weeks in advance and that's all we really know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, just to add to that, like I would say like we came up with this idea in the middle of 2017 and then I didn't actually leave my job until January of 2018. So the very beginning of this year. So we had about six months of kind of putting it all together, figuring out like what it would look like, how our finances would be structured, like where we'd get the money we needed from, where we'd actually be going. And like Becky said, like we ended up figuring all out all the logistics out to start the trip. And then as we go, like, yeah, we're only planning a couple of weeks in advance, just kind of going with the flow and seeing what sounds good. Where should we go next and enjoying life? That is definitely the right way to live life. I'm super jealous of the lifestyle you guys are living right now. And I definitely caught the travel bug. So I went to Australia uh, back in January till June. And all I want to do is travel now. And there's so many beautiful places in this country that I haven't seen. So definitely going to have to take some travel tips from you guys. I know you do have a roadmap on your blog. So I mean, I definitely would love to dive into all the states you've been to, maybe some of your travel tips, places like must see places that you've been to and all the hidden gems of this country. Yeah. So we lived in Seattle the last five years. So we started the trip there basically liquidated everything in our house. The house is currently being rented out. And then we uh, got a small storage unit for some of the keepsakes and stuff we didn't want to bring with us and then just packed up the car and hit the road. So we're just traveling in a Mazda 3 hatchback with a roof rack. So it's pretty minimalist. Like we both have a a couple bags of clothes and various items and then a little bit of food, a little bit of uh, necessities. And that's, that's pretty much it. So we started down in Seattle at the beginning of February, went through Oregon and Portland, which is very beautiful, Saw a lot of, met a lot of friends there, um, went all the way down the coast through like the Redwood Forests, which were just amazing, spent some time in San Francisco with Becky's sister, saw LA, Hollywood, all that good stuff, and then uh, took off east towards Texas, saw some spring training baseball in Arizona, because it just happened to line up with that, so that was awesome. Actually met up with some friends in Texas for a wedding at the end of March. 
and then kind of actually went back west to hit a bunch of the national parks. So like we spent a week at the Grand Canyon, spent uh, multiple weeks through all like the amazing national parks in Utah, like Bryce and Zion and Arches and all those. And then spent a solid month in Colorado. I mean, like we, we love Colorado. That's a place we could end up spending more time when this trip is finally over. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. And then uh, the last couple months, we've actually just been bouncing around the Midwest, hanging out with friends and family. Um, as I mentioned, we're both from here. So we're just hanging out relaxing wow so this is crazy becky so i'm sure like your family members or friends like people at this age aren't quitting their jobs spending a year traveling so can you remember like what your friends and loved ones said and have they come around since you guys have actually implemented this and what does all that look like yeah i think it's kind of a mix of people saying that's awesome. Like we're super excited, very jealous, you know, wish we could do something like that. And then there were another handful of people that were like, are you sure you want to do that? Like you both have really good jobs. That's really great security. And that just seems like a really silly thing to do. But I think everyone right now have just, you know, seen us doing it and watching us on the road. And they obviously see it firsthand and see that we are making this work. And it is a cool thing. And they're just kind of supporting us now, which is great. So a question I have is, this is just kind of making me think, because I, I did a lot of traveling around with my girlfriend, and you have to have a special kind of love to be able to drive around <laughs> in a Mazda 3 around the country with someone. So are you guys getting in fights at all just because you're cramped in a car all day? Or have you guys just always been on the same mindset? You guys are always on the same page of the book? Or did it kind of take some coaxing for you guys to get on the same path, have the same interests, have the same likes? Just talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, no, that that is actually probably the number one question we get is like, are you ready to kill each other? Because you guys have been pretty much <laughs> spending every minute with each other. But I would say no. I mean, we've we've always been really, really good with each other. You know, we've known each other for eight years. We've been married for two. And it's um, we, we're we have a great communication style and we're very open with each other. I mean, it's not perfect every day. Obviously, we have disagreements and we do not have the same opinions on everything, but that's life. I mean, we're not going <laughs> to, not going to be perfect every day, but it's fun and it's exciting to, you know, go on this journey together and experience new things with each other. And we learn from each other and we build on each other and it's, it's been great. Yeah. You guys are just absolutely crushing it. You guys are such team players pursuing this lifestyle together. And that's what it's about. You guys have worked as a team. And you're constantly figuring out this journey of life together. And that's just amazing. So my next question is, as you guys are going on this trip and you guys have had so much fun along the way, are you guys actually starting to dread going back to life as it was and going back to the standard nine to five work? So it's going to be interesting. I mean, we're we're calling it a gap year and we started in February. So we're somewhere around the halfway point. Like there's no official end date, but obviously we have a finite amount of money to spend. So it has to end eventually because we're not fully financially independent yet. But I mean, we're loving the flexibility of just traveling around, like staying different places. One of the things that just being on this path to FI has allowed us to do, even though we're not there yet, like we have this buffer to where we can kind of change things up. Like we could definitely do some sort of lifestyle business, work part-time or work seasonally. Or as you mentioned, as a software developer, I can work remotely or work part-time or just do three to six month contracts and then take a break and then do another three to six month contract. And then Becky as a nurse has tons of different nursing options, even consulting or clinics or back to the hospital and everything else to where we, we have a lot of flexibility of both where we go, where we end up living and settling down if we settle down 
guess that's even another possibility. And then, yeah, like uh, we don't know exactly what that transition back is going to look like. Like we could go back to the the nine to five, like grind it out for another five, 10 years and be very comfortable. Or we could do more of a lifestyle, more relaxed sort of thing and make the journey last a little bit longer, but be happier along the way. So we have a lot of options and uh, we'll have to figure that out once we end this trip. How are you guys funding the trip right now? Like I'm just from a financial nerd perspective. What's like your drawdown strategy? Are you pulling from your taxable accounts? Are you pulling from some emergency fund? Or are you earning freelance money? Just how are you funding this trip? So our plan for funding it was to not touch any of our existing investments. So just uh, leave all those alone, whether retirement account or just brokerage account, just let all those be. And then like the six months leading up to this trip, we started putting a lot more just kind of cash away as opposed to, so we maxed out our retirement accounts, but then we kind of went to cash instead of putting additional money in our brokerage accounts. And we've been drawing down that cash pile for this trip. The plan, which I think we'll be able to stick to, like this trip is actually costing less than we thought it might, which we can get into later if you guys want the the details. So after a year, we'll still have some cash buffer left. So we'll have some time to settle down somewhere. And all of our investments are just sitting there in the background, chugging away, earning us money while we enjoy the road. So I guess the natural question is, I am curious about if you could break down the expenses, because some people think they they can't do this nomadic lifestyle because... It might be too expensive, and I don't know if you guys are sleeping in the car a lot. I, I've done that before. It's not the funnest and most comfortable sleep, but if you are getting hotels or Airbnbs, it could quite possibly add up if you're not smart about it. So what's your plan there? What's your strategy, and how much is it costing you? Yeah, absolutely. So Noah, over the past couple of years, has just been wonderful at travel hacking, like you said earlier, and so we have built up this bank of hotel points, you could say. And we've kind of been using that. I mean, we've definitely been spending certain or paying for certain nights with cash, but a lot of it has been hotel points. And um, yeah, we started out the trip with a certain amount of money that we thought we would spend because a year in Seattle, you know, we could easily spend 65000 a year living expenses, food, entertainment, all that fun stuff. So we definitely planned to live like we would in Seattle and being on the road, we've spent less than four grand a month and we're probably going to spend about 35 to 40 grand for this whole year, which is insane. Wow. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty crazy. And I remember seeing Noah on the blog that you have something like, and this was a few years ago, you wrote this or maybe later, but you have over 70 credit cards open. You probably have upwards of a hundred now. So Could you just talk about that and your strategy? Because that takes some kind of dedication to open that many cards to keep track of them. Yes. Around the same time we discovered financial independence, actually, we also discovered this idea of like uh, travel hacking or credit card churning, um, also from Reddit, if you believe it. And uh, I mean, it's amazing. At the same time, we discovered these two crazy ideas. They both sound too good to be true when you first hear them, but you start digging into it, experiment a little bit, and then it actually works. So, um, yeah, that number you mentioned, like uh, between the two of us, we've opened about 75 credit cards at this point over the past few years. And each of those has a sign up bonus of it could be travel points or even cash. But each one is somewhere between like five hundred to a thousand dollars each. So we've had, I don't know, 50 to one hundred thousand dollars worth of travel points that we've used a ton already. And we still have a bunch of bank that we were using on this trip and we'll use in the future. So um, that's been a big part of our strategy and one of the ways we've been able to keep costs down on the road because about 80 to 90 percent of where we've been staying are at hotels. But the majority of the time we've been using points for those stays. And when we do pay cash, it's towards some hotel promotion that will earn us even more points. So 
it ends up subsidizing even further. So just to add to what Becky said earlier, an average month, we're spending about $1,000 on lodging of some kind, another $1,000 on food, and then another $1,000 on various types of entertainment, like visiting parks, visiting tourist attractions, visiting everything else, and then another $500 or so of miscellaneous. And of course, that varies month to month. Like we had one month where we didn't spend anything on lodging because like everything was with points. And then sometimes we go to a lot more tourist attractions and some of those can get pretty expensive. So um, it varies month to month. But yeah, that's about an average breakdown. And like Becky said, we I don't think we're going to top 40 grand for the entire 12 months living the nomadic lifestyle on the road, which is working out great. Wow. Forty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> like for some reason, that definitely surprises me because you guys are having such a blast. Like you guys have been all over the country and you're still continuing on this journey. And it only costs $40,000 a year. Most people can only dream about the lifestyle that you guys are living, but you guys are intentional about it and you found a way to do it cost efficiently. So yeah, that is super awesome. All right. So one thing I definitely don't want to gloss over is 75 credit cards. How is this even possible? And what is the maximum range that your credit score has actually fluctuated? Could you share that with us? So it's really interesting. Like this is like one of the number one questions we get when we mention this to anybody. Like, what about your credit score? Like, are you going to be able to get a loan or mortgage or whatever else in the future? And amazingly, ever since we started, our scores have gone up because we're paying everything off on time. Like the additional accounts are actually a bonus. And because we're fairly young to start with, like we didn't actually ding our average age of accounts because we had just opened our first credit card ever like a year before that, before we started the whole travel hacking thing. So when we first started and when we bought our house in Seattle right before we started, our scores were in like the low 700s, like very low 700s. And then recently, like we have slowed down the credit cards a little bit on this trip, but we're both right around the 800, like across all three bureaus. So as long as as long as you're being responsible with the credit you're opening, I mean, all those extra cards like lower your utilization, they increase your number of accounts, which are positives. And then it's just more and more on-time payments as long as you're on top of them. Yeah, that's just super cool. And I guess the next question for me is, what has that looked like now? This year, since you guys have stopped working and you guys technically don't have any income, do you guys get denied for credit cards? Do you guys even apply for them at this point? Since we started the trip, I think we've only applied for two. And one of them was when we first started. So I used my previous month's income, which was still a regular income. And then the other one, like we have a couple side hustles, like we're getting rental income from our place in Seattle. Like I have a blog that makes a couple hundred dollars a month, so not a lot, but we do have a small income trickling in and that that was enough to get us approved. I mean, I don't know what exactly the banks use uh, on the back end to determine whether or not we deserve a credit card, but we've only applied for a couple since we started this trip, but we've been approved for both. So who knows? So Noah, I mean, I have my own strategies for travel hacking and not paying annual fees and credit cards, but I am not even close to 75 cards deep. I'm only 22. So I mean, I literally probably couldn't get that many cards. I just get denied for lack of length of credit history. <laughs> but so what are some of your strategies to not pay these annual fees? I can't imagine you're shelling out like a few grand a year on annual fees. So I think last year, 2017, we actually did pay a couple grand in annual fees, but that was only to get the cards. And it was mostly because of the premium cards. So in that year, we both got the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which is 450 up front for each of us. So that's $900 right there. 
But with that card, you're getting $600 in travel credits the first year. That was back when it had a 100,000-point bonus, which is worth at least $1,000 in cash, potentially two to 3000 towards travel. So we've paid a ton of annual fees, but they've always been offset by the benefits we get immediately. So for the vast majority of cards, so these are your, you're not super top tier $450 annual fee cards. The annual fees are usually more in the $100 range. Most of the time they'll waive that for the first year. So what we end up doing is either downgrading that card to a no annual fee version or even just canceling it outright at the one year mark. So we're mostly just getting the sign up bonuses and then letting these cards go after a year unless they provide some benefit that makes sense. For example, we both have the IHG hotel credit card right now, and that's a $49 annual fee, but we get a free night at any IHG property in the world, I think, each year. So we're basically paying $49 for a night that's as potentially as big as like the Intercontinental in downtown New York, which I don't know if we're actually going to use it for that, but I'm sure you can see the value there for paying $49 in annual fees to get that free hotel night. So we have spent a lot in annual fees, but they've all been offset and more so by um, cash benefits and then just oodles and oodles of travel miles and points on top. All right, guys, the big question. I mean, you guys have definitely rigged the game. 75 credit cards. You guys have extracted so much value from this system. So what is the one trip that you guys have been on that you guys feel you've gotten the best bang for those credit card rewards? Yes, that is a very easy answer. Our honeymoon, which we definitely planned out well in advance. We really wanted to go someplace crazy and someplace exciting. And we were going to go for three weeks. We looked up where we wanted to go. We definitely wanted to go someplace tropical. And, you know, everyone kind of goes to Hawaii. So we thought Fiji would be a really awesome place. I heard wonderful things. And really close to Fiji is New Zealand. And we had always really wanted to go there and it just worked out. So we were able to fly business class from Seattle to Brisbane for like one little layover. And then we flew to New Zealand and then we spent four nights there. And then we flew from Auckland to Fiji and spent two weeks there also on business class. The entire trip was business class. And we only spent maybe 500 bucks out of pocket for the whole three weeks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a redemption. <laughs> yeah. All of our flights and our hotels were covered under points. That Yeah. That's absolutely insane. So what was the 500 on? Just curious. Was it like the international travel fees that you sometimes you just can't evade? Yeah, it was the, the taxes and fees on the flights, pretty much. And like the retail value of this trip, if you just went and paid cash for the exact same itinerary, which isn't a perfect way of measuring it, but like to copy what we did at the same dates we did it would have been about like $14,000 approximately. Wow. Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> and I've been to New Zealand. I don't know how you guys liked it, but I thought it was the most beautiful country I've ever seen. I know you were only there for four days, but it was just absolutely stunning. And I know Fiji's a totally different feel. That's more like a beachy thing, but... Lord of the Rings just gives that perfect New Zealand feel. Like, it is the most incredible scenery. <laughs> so you guys took the trip of a lifetime. You hit beaches. You hit mountains. You just had the best trip ever for $500. So kudos to you. Yeah, and it's funny. Looking back, we actually wish we would have reversed it and spent less time in Fiji and more time in New Zealand just because we had so much fun there and it wasn't enough time. Um, so we definitely want to go back and explore more. All right, Becky, this question's for you. Can you kind of walk us through, like, what do your days look like currently? Like, you've traveled the country, like, you guys are stopping, spending time with family. But on the days that you guys aren't with family, can you tell me, like, what do you guys typically spend your time doing? 
Um, that's a good question. Uh, it depends on the day. It depends on where we are. Uh, when we were in the Midwest and near a lot of parks, we pretty much did a hike a day or a hike every other day. I work out probably five to six times a week and hotels are great for that. We have had access to wonderful fitness centers and that's been really exciting for me. And so I'll usually wake up and go to the gym and we'll come back, go eat something and explore the city or wherever we're at at the time. We usually look up the city before we go and kind of see where we want to visit, what's cool to see. And then we'll, I don't know, do anything we really want. <laughs> yeah, I'll just add a little bit to that. So um, yeah, before we got to the Midwest and we're spending a lot of time with family, we actually like the first two or three weeks of the trip, we went really aggressive. And like we were packing all of our days with all this fun stuff to do because we were used to like only getting away for a weekend or only getting away for like four or five days, taking vacation time and trying to see as many things as possible. But once we did that for a few weeks straight, we realized like we can't maintain this for very long. Like it's not going to work. So we ended up finding a pretty good pace to where we'd spend four to five nights in most locations. And then about half of those nights, so two or three nights, would we actually go and do a big thing, whether it be a national park or like a big tourist attraction or walk around downtown. And then we're, we actually schedule, somewhat schedule, like at least a day or two to just relax, to not do a whole lot, just kind of hang around the hotel, watch some movies, maybe do a puzzle, play some board games, just relax as opposed to going 24-7. And that ended up being a pretty good pace for us. So actually, something that I haven't really heard you talk about on other podcasts or even on your blog so much is how important health and fitness is. And so TJ and I are both huge into the gym, huge into eating healthy. And I know you guys are too. I've seen pictures of you doing like Tough Mudder and events like that or Spartan Race, whatever it was. But I guess what does the health and fitness aspect kind of play into your financial independence journey? Because I mean, my thoughts are, who cares how much money you have if you can't enjoy it by not being healthy? And who wants to be 65 years old and wheelchair ridden or walker ridden because you haven't been keeping up with your health your whole life? So I'd love to hear both of you guys just chime in on what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't say like we've been super physically fit our entire life. I mean, we've, we've always been in decent shape, but it wasn't until, gosh, it's almost been two years now where we both really got interested in bettering ourselves physically and wanting to be better runners and just work out more. And so we got Fitbits and we became more active. And, and Noah has always been interested in obstacle course races. He had done, done a couple Tough Mudders. I had done one as well. Last year, he really wanted to do all of them. So <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so that was our last year. We call it our year of fitness because we were doing races a lot. And we did our first half marathon and we both became more avid runners. And we started rock climbing and doing more bouldering and yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. And this year for me, I just, I didn't want to stop doing that. I wanted to continue and keep my cardio up. And I've actually started lifting weights, which is something I've really never done before. So that's been exciting for me. But I, for now, like I can't go a day without doing something. It's really hard for me to take a rest day, even though I, I need to, because <laughs> they're good for you. But, um, but yeah, I love it. I love getting up and running or lifting or even just walking. It's just, it's, it's such a good feeling. It makes me feel better. So. And how about you, Noah? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Like uh, Becky said, so towards the end of 2016 and all throughout 2017, like I was working out and running like crazy. Um, as Becky said, like I became a little obsessed with obstacle course racing and probably did at least a dozen races over the course of the year. So we were doing like one or two per month in the prime season. And I just kept running more and more and I was loving it and, and lifting and doing pull-ups and all the different stuff you need to be able to complete all those obstacles. And it culminated in the huge event at the end of the year, which is World's Toughest Mudder, 
where I was able to run over 50 miles, like with obstacles, with elevation and everything else in a 24 hour period, (laughs) just staying awake for 24 hours while doing that is insane. But that was my goal. And I was super proud of that. And then actually, once we started this trip, I've actually gotten a little a little lazy. I haven't been keeping up with it quite as much. I don't know if it's just the, the change in lifestyle or the transition. I'm staying in decent shape, but I'm not really pushing myself anymore. So um, I don't know if I'll, I'll change that while we're on the road or that'll be something I pick back up once we settle down. But as you hinted at, I mean, like, yeah, fitness is amazing, like for longevity, like feeling good about yourself, like just general physical and emotional health. It's amazing. Definitely something that you should be focusing on along with your money. Like, I definitely agree on that point. Are you guys eating moderately healthy or just what's your whole outlook on that? I'm kind of curious about that, too. I feel like people in our generation, like in their 20s and 30s, are becoming a lot more conscious about eating healthily just because of all the studies that have come out recently and things like that. Yeah, that was definitely going to be a change and an issue for us is what do we eat? You know, we're on the road every day and we can't really cook our own meals. So it was definitely an adjustment. Uh, We definitely did eat out a lot in Seattle. So we were used to eating at restaurants and all that stuff pretty normally, but you know, usually when you go out to a restaurant, you want to splurge and, you know, get the burger and the fries and make it a nice meal. But I guess for me, uh, you know, we go out, I'll get a slightly healthier option wherever we are, you know, whether it's chicken or white meat or a salad instead of fries. And I track my calories every day and I look at what I've eaten and I kind of be like, oh, well, I had that yesterday. I won't have this today. And, you know, we'll eat like fast, casual food. You know, we love Panera and Chipotle and Noodles and company. That's always a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, every now and then we do eat, you know, fast food or we'll be in a place where we can cook and we'll grill or make our own food. With family, we've definitely been eating, eating in a lot more, you know, not going out as much. But yeah, we just we track it. We keep track of it. And we we know our bodies. We know what we can eat and what we shouldn't eat. And we just kind of take it day by day. Do you have any like food hacking tips for being on the road? Because I didn't really think about that. You guys probably don't have access to a microwave or a grill most of the time. So you're either eating on the go or eating like peanuts and fruits or stuff like that. So could you just share some of the tips and tricks that you guys have been doing on your journey so you don't have to eat out three meals a day? So like one of the things, especially when we're staying in hotels, like we do have access to that microwave, but we also have access to a free breakfast most of the time. So like if we wake up, which Becky's much better than me about this, if we wake <laughs> up in time, we'll we'll load up on the breakfast and then just kind of snack or kind of eat light for lunch, like have a protein bar or have some nuts or cheese or just whatever. And then we'll usually go out and have something a little more significant for dinner. And one hack I would say is that like no matter what you think of fast food or any fast food chain out there, there's always a couple items on the menu that are decently good for you. You just got to find the thing that has like more protein and less of crazy seasoning or crazy sauces and everything else. Just get something with chicken. Just get a basic sandwich. Like whether you go to McDonald's or Taco Bell or anywhere, like there's always some item on the menu that will work towards your fitness goals, your eating goals. What's really awesome is that the majority of fast food or restaurants will have their nutritional info online or even on the menu, which is something that I look for wherever I go, because then I know exactly what I'm getting and what's in my food. And yet, like Noah said, there is always a healthy option. You don't always have to get the greasiest, most unhealthy item on the menu. So you just have to be conscious of it and not, you know, not always go for that craving, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) So for me personally, like, just listening to you guys' story, it's just so inspiring. Like, 
I'm married. I have a daughter. So to me, there's definitely a mental block. Like, how can we make this happen? Just listening to you guys, this is something that I think I really want to do. Like, I really want to consider. So I really have two questions. What are the biggest things that you think people should consider before trying to implement something like this? And also, if you guys can both share with us, what are some of the things that you guys are experiencing currently that you maybe didn't factor or didn't expect, but has definitely made an impact on this whole journey for you guys? If you're considering something like this yourself, I mean, it's it's just all about making the numbers work. We're doing like a whole year, but it doesn't have to be anything like that. Like you can take a one month sabbatical and go travel somewhere. You can even just take time off, stay locally, like maybe just explore some of the parks around you, the different attractions near you that you've never seen before. I mean, you don't have to leave your home and live the nomadic lifestyle. Like there's tons of different ways that once you set yourself up on a good financial footing, it's just the the power of all the options and flexibility you have. You start to have more power at work. And then if you want to take time off, you'll feel empowered to do that or you'll feel confident enough in yourself to where you will be able to find another job when you come back. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just like make sure you have like a stable financial footing to start with. Don't just hear about this idea and quit your job tomorrow and wing it. But (laughs) once you have that financial footing and you're on the path to file, like you have a lot of options and it's okay to take advantage of them, even if you're not all the way at full financial independence. It's okay to enjoy the journey along the way, even if it drags out your end date a little further. So just because we are a bunch of nerds in this financial independence community, I'd love if you could get into the numbers a little bit. Like what percentage are you of that financial independence number? Because clearly you've built up quite a nice safety net to be able to do this trip without earning any income. You're certainly intentional with your money, but I really just want you to dig in. What percentage of this journey have you completed so far? So it's, it's really interesting. Like we've been aggressively saving towards this FI in the future. But we don't know exactly what that number is. Like, as we said, we're only 28. We plan to have kids at some point in the future. Like, we don't know what city we're going to be in. We don't really know what our fine number is. The only thing I can base that off of is just the two of us living together in Seattle. And with that lifestyle, we're probably just over halfway. And we're kind of well past the barista fi or coast fi or whatever the the buzzword is for it right now to where (laughs) Starbucks fi. (laughs) You just have to cover your expenses and your investments will grow in the background to allow you to have a comfortable retirement down the road. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say we're, we're somewhere around halfway, maybe a little past halfway, but it's highly dependent on what, what our life actually looks like in five years, 10 years, 15 years. Like those are questions we haven't answered yet and we don't know. So we're well on our way, but it's tough to give an exact percentage. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say I feel bad that you don't know the exact number because you guys have just built out a life of intentionality. And no matter what you guys do, you're going to be all right. It's not like your skills are going to dull that significantly that if you really needed to, one of you guys or both of you guys could go back into the workforce. Something that I love that Joel from 5180 says is, our worst case scenario, those who hit financial independence, is everybody else's everyday scenario. The worst thing that happens is you go back to work, make some income for a few years, you know how to save, you know how to be intentional, and then you can go back living this lifestyle filled with travel, filled with family, filled with fun. So I just think that's so awesome, and I really hope that other people can see that this is possible. Well, I think this is going to bring the interview to a close, but before we get into the spit and fire segment, where's the best place where people can get in touch with you? So the best place to reach us right now is just through the blog, which is uh, Money Metagame. So just moneymetagame.com. 
we joined Instagram at the beginning of this year, partially because of this trip. So we've been posting like crazy there, like tons of great pictures from national parks and everything else. So you can follow us there, follow us on Twitter or Facebook, whatever your favorite social media is. We're very responsive. So if you send us a message on any of those platforms or just email us directly at moneymetagame or moneymetagame at gmail.com, we'd be happy to get back to you. Awesome. And I've definitely seen some of your Instagram pictures. So go follow them because they do have some pretty amazing pictures of the country. But let's hop in to the spit and fire segment where you get to drop the hottest financial knowledge on our listeners. Noah and Becky, are you ready? Yes. Yep. Welcome to the Spit and Fire segment, where we get to pick the brains of some of the best and brightest in an effort to live better, more intentional lives. Are you ready to transform your future? What is the most influential thing you have read in the past year? Could be a book, a blog post, whatever. I guess for me, uh, it's not really a finance blog or anything like that, but I follow this couple. They do obstacle course racing and they're professionals at it. So I, I follow their Instagram and I read all about them and they're so inspiring and they actually live in Canada and they're just like this powerhouse athlete couple and it motivates me more than anything. <laughs> their names are uh, Ryan Adkins and Lindsay Webster. Awesome. Well, it definitely doesn't have to be finance, just anything that's inspired you that you've consumed in the last year. All right, guys, question number two. Do either of you have some kind of hidden or unknown talent that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I can go for one. I am really, really good at Dance Dance Revolution, <laughs> if you know what that yeah, is. Oh, yeah. So I, I played it a ton in like middle school and high school, and every once in a while, we'll end up at like an arcade or something, and I, I still got it, so... <laughs> That's, that's a fun fact. <laughs> that is definitely a fun fact. So, no, are you one of those guys whose hat backwards profusely sweating with your shirt off? <laughs> um, no, I'm definitely sweating a lot, but I don't, I don't have the hat or the shirtless look going on. Okay, I've seen quite a few of those at some of the beach arcades around where I live, and it's, it's pretty disturbing. <laughs> I guess for me, something that most people probably don't know about me is that I was on the bowling team in high school and played all four years and... I love it. We still bowl pretty regularly when we can, and that's always been a passion of mine. <laughs> awesome. Those are both uh, good talents. <laughs> so question number three, what is one app on your phone that you can't live without? Becky, you can tackle this one first. Oh, for sure. It's my fitness pal. I, I track all my food and even the Fitbit app, so they're kind of together. I could not live without either of those, and I don't. There was one day where they weren't working, and I went crazy, and Noah was like, you got to calm down. <laughs> oh, man. How about you, Noah? Yeah, for me, I probably spend the most time on the Reddit app or some random game that I play, but the one that I really like and use a lot to actually help us out is just the Mint.com app, just to be able to see all of our accounts in one place and keep track of our transactions, make sure we're, we're on track, nothing funny is going on with our money. I check that on almost on a daily basis. So that's been a huge help. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link to all of those resources in the show notes. But TJ, you want to hit him with the final one? Guys, this is going to be the final question. And this is called the wild card question. What is the one place, since you guys are definitely traveling the country right now, what is the one place that you guys have always wanted to go, but haven't yet had the opportunity to go to? It could be in the U.S. It could be outside of the U.S. Yeah, for me, so it's a place I've been, but I was only there as a kid. Like, I was 10 years old. Um, we went to Australia, and I, I really want to go back and spend more time there. Like, I just had a blast as a kid, and I've heard amazing things from a ton of people. Like, I, I'd love to just go spend, like, a month there. It's definitely on, on the list. 
Oh, you should definitely carve out more than a month, Noah, because I just got back from a six-month stint, and it was the best time of my life. And it's not like you can't go back there. You're driving around the country right now. You have a billion points or something like that. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah, give or take. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely can get back there. It's all about uh, priorities and finding the time because when you can go anywhere, it's tough to pick one place. Wow. <laughs> First world problems right there. All right, well, that's going to bring this episode to a close. So thank you both so much for coming on today. I'm sure the listeners got a lot of actionable tips and just learned about your incredible story. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's been a blast. All right, guys. So that was Becky and Noah from MoneyMetagain.com. And as you can see, they are just living it up. I mean, I'm honestly pretty jealous of their lifestyle. I think I'm probably going to do something like that with my girlfriend over the next year or two. Or maybe we'll go abroad and do the same exact thing. But so let's review today's key takeaways. One, there are scholarships that exist that will pay for the full cost of your college. You just have to be crafty enough and search hard enough to find them. Becky and Noah both got full rides for being a golf caddy. That is unheard of, but I'm sure that there are a lot of other scholarships like that if you keep your eyes peeled. Key takeaway number two, you don't have to wait till you hit financial independence to go on these extravagant trips. I mean, they just up and left their jobs. They don't have full financial independence yet, but they know that if worse came to worse, they would still have the money to put food on the table because they had been saving intentionally. They had built up at least a sizable pile of cash to fall back on. And they know that if they needed to, they could go back to work. So if you are not satisfied with your life now, go out, take that trip, take a gap year, do whatever you want. This is your life and you should take control of it after you take control of your finances. Key takeaway number three, travel rewards are so powerful. If you start to accumulate these hotel points, these airline points, you can travel around the country and around the world for free. But if you are the type of person who does not pay off your card in full and on time each month, do not, I repeat, do not try to get into the world of travel rewards. But if you do think you can handle a credit card and you are responsible enough to pay it off on time and in full every month, Check out firebelowzero.com slash cards to see some of the best cards in the travel rewards space. And key takeaway number four, health is everything. Becky and Noah are both conscious about their health. They're both eating healthily. They both exercise. Noah did a 50-mile race last year. Becky goes to the gym five or six times a week, and now she's getting into weightlifting. And I think that is a very key takeaway in my personal life because I have seen so many friends and family members that have just let their health go. And then they get into their 50s and 60s and they're having trouble moving. They're having trouble going on walks. They might not be able to play around with their grandkids. So in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's great to have your finances in order, but not at the cost of your health. That is one of the number one priorities you should be taking care of. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. TJ and I are so fortunate to have such an awesome group of listeners. And ways you can stay connected outside of the podcast are through our Facebook group. You can reach that at firebelowzero.com community. And you can also send in a voicemail with your comments, questions, and concerns at firebelowzero.com slash voicemail. And anything that we talked about on the show today can be found in the show notes at firebelowzero.com slash 005. And please leave a rating, review, and subscribe. It just lets the podcast player know that we're a podcast that you enjoy, that we are actually providing quality information, and that we are spending time interviewing worthwhile guests and taking the time to edit, making it sound good, and packaging it up and delivering it to you. So thanks again. 
This has been another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast, a cooler approach to financial independence.